Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Friday. It is October 15th. It is 2021. We're going to talk some NBA today. And anytime we can talk preseason NBA. Oh, just kidding. We're not talking preseason NBA. We're going to talk um, just some general NBA stuff, some moves this offseason, and uh, maybe some bets that we're looking at, some future bets. And um, I mean, I got to bring on Mr. Duke himself, um, Andy Means. Meansy, long time, but uh, what's happening, my friend? Whew, not much, man. Getting ready to uh, pump up the pump up the volume here, pump up some work because uh, NBA is, is fast upon us. Been doing some preseason stuff to get my feet wet a little bit again. Did some draft stuff, you know, over the summer. But um, I just – I'm really looking forward to the season, man. There's so many different angles to look at, so many – so much drama always in this league, but there's there's good off the court stuff, there's good on the court stuff. So there's plenty of stuff we're going to talk about, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the NBA season. This break has been fantastic. Um, usually we got like so much stuff going on. We've actually had like a couple weeks off between like you know MLB and NBA. I mean, to kind of dig into everything for getting ready for NBA season. And I mean, I'm sure you've been digging in a lot longer. Like you said, you did some draft stuff. Um, but I mean, this is, uh, this is, this is going to be nice. Um, I'm, I'm excited for NBA. I'm usually excited for NBA for about two months. And then, <laughs> and then I am so sick of injury news that, um, I'm done with NBA, but Hey, listen, CB, the bubble ended like a, literally a year ago. Like the Lakers won the championship a year ago. We've already had another whole season, another whole champion, and we're about to start a new season. It's crazy, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Let's uh before we get into some of these big offseason moves, because there was a there's a couple um, you know, big, big offseason moves. Um, and we'll talk about those here in, in a few minutes, but uh let's just kind of talk general NBA DFS, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the most important thing for me, and, you know, I can't wait to hear your thoughts, but is news. Um, yeah, stats matter, you know, pace of play matters and all that stuff matters. But news right before lock and adjusting and even adjusting after lock, I think, is the biggest edge in NBA DFS still to this day. I mean, it absolutely is. Uh, and I mean, I just referenced the bubble like when the bubble was going on last summer, that was some of the bigger edge available just because, you know, there's so many, so much content out there nowadays, like everyone has projections, blah, blah, blah. It's easy for someone who doesn't really know what they're doing to hit a button in a, an optimizer and have a, a, a good lineup by the time the slate locks. But if news happens like an hour and a half after the slate locks and most people just get away from their computers, maybe they go spend time with the family. Maybe they go out to dinner. If news breaks after, slate locks then there's there's more edge to be had and that's what happened in the bubble last year because they they spread those games out so you only had like you know one or two courts or whatever so they couldn't play many games that time i found a ton of edge there just because uh, there's so much news staggering throughout the day like you know 10 hours of the day so i agree with you man that's that's really what it comes down to there's so much content out there anyone can everyone can find a good lineup um, without putting any thought into it but if you're not going to pay attention then you are you are i mean i don't want to say dry and dead but you're kind of dry and dead because Basketball is way different than other sports in the sense that it's the most projectable, it's the most projectable DFS sport there is, in my opinion, just because if um, I, I've been, I always like using this, the, the same example 
from when I first really started playing DFS, which was back when like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were on the Thunder. If one of those guys was out, you played the other one. And if you did, if you didn't, you're going to lose. Like it's, and there's other, and there's other scenarios where someone is a backup and he's just really, he's like the bare minimum and he's going to come into a huge role. If you don't play that guy, you're going to lose. So um, there's, yeah, you got to, got to follow the news, man. You nailed it. It's huge. And like, you know, you're going to hear this all season, but really it is like, you know, we can talk about like, you know, usage and all that stuff, but you have to pay attention to the news. And it's Andy, it's one of the reasons why I've gone from like a 20 to 150 player in NBA. I usually play one team a night. Like I'll play one team on FanDuel, one team on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling frisky, maybe um, a little over on super draft or like Yahoo. But I, I mean, I'm just, I want to focus on one lineup and when news comes out, I can kind of adjust that lineup to the news. Like projections are so good nowadays that like you have, you usually have a really good starting spot for NBA, but again, it like people don't adjust enough. I mean, if you're, if your guy in the early, in the early game doesn't do what you were expecting anyway, then you find a ceiling in the late games where a guy might be mm-hmm. 15 or 50. And, and I mean, you just have to take those shots in NBA and you can make up, you know, one or two mediocre scores from guys by chasing ceiling in the late games. And that's just, I mean, I think roster construction is always huge, but I think the biggest NBA um, edge is still news um, adjusting after lock adjusting before lock not loving your lineup, like not getting into the point where like, Oh, it's 10 minutes before lock. Any news comes out. I don't care. I love my lineup. Like that's how you'll lose money in NBA. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, like, I, I, that was a, that was a tough lesson to learn for me too. Initially, like when I started yeah. playing several years ago, like especially, and it gets, it's even more prevalent nowadays because there's so much content everywhere that you spend the whole day, like with this one guy in your lineup, and it's <laughs> like he could be like the sixth best play, but after the, the way the news works nowadays, like you, you just really gotta. Whenever, honestly, whenever news breaks, for the most part, I literally just start over from scratch if I have the time. Like if it's on crunch time, I don't really have the time to do that. And I'll just readdress the slate from the start and try to throw everything out the window that I was, you know, that I was thinking before. Um, but yeah, sometimes you don't have that that uh, that luxury if if stuff's breaking, um, you know before a game locks, before a slate locks. And, and that's why, you know, we try to make it easy on everybody with the crunch time show. And we started doing, I think last year was the first year we did it. We did like a, what if uh, it's either the, what if, or the, if then article where we try to like be preparing for what a news situation might break. So if, you know, if Embiid is questionable, we'll put up the, uh, an article saying who will get the bump uh, and we'll actually have the projections right there for you. So you can kind of be running stuff in lineup HQ with that to kind of prepare yourself uh, so it doesn't get too crazy later on the night. Yeah. I mean, there's just, honestly, there's so much, um, so much you just have to know when it comes to just not loving your lineup and just making adjustments when you need to. So uh, I wanted to start there. I think that's always like the point that I try to hammer home the most when it comes to NBA DFS. Um, Outside of that, let's talk just, I mean, we break down morning grind wise, we break down the slate the night before. And again, a lot of that information is not going to be useful by lock. And I know that. And, and like, I, I, uh, I, I, me too, man. I write my article in the morning. And I'm like, yeah. why am I doing this? But 
the the point of like the podcast is to like we could talk usage we have question mark players we can talk usage um if or if or not someone sits um that's one of my one of my favorite stats when it comes to the nba obviously news but i like to look at usage and i like to look at pace uh what do you like looking at when you're you know trying to figure out your player pool uh for the day yeah if i'm looking if i'm not doing scenarios where someone may or may not play. I'm, I'm really looking at obviously usage. I look at assist rate a lot and I, I look a little deeper on assist rate with like potential assists and touches. I just really, I mean, it, it, when you think about it logically, like whoever has the ball the most in the, in the NBA or in any basketball league is going to rack up fantasy points. You got to have the ball to do stuff unless you're, you know, getting steals or blocks basically, or, or getting rebounds. But those are the things I really look at. Uh, it's, it's tried and true, but it's, um, that's what matters. Usage, whoever's really shooting the most, then assist rate for me, then like rebounds and all the other stuff. So that's what I look at. Uh, when I'm looking at like, if then scenarios, it's easy to just say who gets the usage bump, but there's also scenarios where like, like we have the, you know, the court IQ tool, which, which you can see all that stuff, like who gets bumps when so-and-so is off the court. Sometimes it doesn't mesh with what you would think like, Oh, this guy gets a huge, huge usage bump, but his, uh, his points per minute goes down. That's strange. Like there's things you can look at that you dig deeper. I want to see what his true shooting percentage was. Was he shooting? Was it a small sample? Did he just not shoot? Well, um, does he have to do more with the ball so he's taking tougher shots so maybe his true shooting will go down because he's taking tougher shots like there's just so many different layers to it when you peel back the onion a little bit uh but i mean we, the good news is we try to factor all that into our projections so when we have all of that up on online up hq and news is breaking everything we try to do all that grunt work for you but it's good to know that in advance like if you're just if you have time to study or research throughout the day it's good to be looking at those things because you can act quicker too and you can also, you know, if you have a gut call based on something you did, you can you can go that route as well. For sure. Um, and, and again, that's kind of what the first look is, um, is kind of breaking down and looking at like who does get that bump in the points per minute and stuff like that. But I mean, any other thing that you can kind of think about? I do like the game stack in NBA. I feel like there'll be scenarios where like we play sometimes three or four players from one team when people are out. Um, I mean, what was it? The magic last year, like suited up eight guys or something. And I think we played like four of them. Um, I mean, there's been instances like that in the past many a time, especially around like the trade deadline. But I, I feel like one thing that's kind of overlooked when you're, you know, playing two or three players from one team, you kind of forget about the other team. Um, I mean, and that's why I think roster construction is still super important. I mean, for these three guys to have good games, the game, you know, potentially has to stay somewhat close and like, who's going to be doing that. So, um, I mean, I like the game stack in NBA. I'm more of a tournament player. I don't play cash games. I know you dabble in both. Um, anything else that you can kind of think about uh, general DFS NBA? Yeah, one thing just to expound upon what you said there is when you are targeting a bunch of guys from the same team, always, I mean, it goes without saying usually, but keep salary in mind too. If you're jamming in, you know, four or five guys from a team, but they're three to 4K because a bunch of really good guys are out and these backups are starting to play, well, that's okay. Like if they're all really cheap, they can all pay off those price tags. But when you start getting into more expensive guys, it's a little harder for – guys who are, you know, in the eight, nine, 10 K range to all get you ceiling games. If you're trying to take down first in a tournament. So 
keep salary in mind when you're game stacking. And, and the last thing about game stacking too, you always have a little overtime equity too. Um, there's all, you know, there's always a chance games can go into overtime, double overtime. It's impossible to predict, but it gives you at least a little bit of equity if you're game stacking that it's going to vault you past a ton of people on leaderboards if you happen to get, get that game on that given night. All right. Um, let's talk some off season and then we'll get into some futures. Um, maybe I'll give out some hot takes cause you know, it's kind of what I do. Um, you know, we were talking pre podcasts and I mean, give me, all right, I'll, we'll do it this way. Give me like your top three moves you think help maybe like DFS and just teams in general. Oh, that's a good question. As far as like D I want to, Think of the DFS for, uh, one first because I think it's the Bulls a little bit. They kind of are going all in on the now. You know, they got Vooch last year. Your boy Vooch stolen yep. from your magic. Um, but they also added Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan in the offseason. And preseasons, you know, it's a little it's a little funky. Like pace is always faster in the preseason. But they're going to get out and run a little bit too this year. So I think the, the they're – their games in general are, are going to be good ones to target because they're going to play fast. They're going to score a lot and their defense is going to be abysmal. So you're going to want some players from their team. You're going to want some players who are playing against them. So I think just the way their team is trending is going to make for good DFS environments. Um, Donovan's usually been a, been a pretty good defensive coach, historically speaking. Like I think there's a stat out there I saw on Twitter that he's had coached like a top 12 defense every year he's been in the league or something. We'll see if he can, if he can do that, work that uh, with this bulls uh, situation. So that's a good one for DFS. As far as like actual basketball, I do like what the heater heater doing with uh, getting Kyle Lowry. The tricky part of that though, is that I think they're going to be better suited for playoff basketball because, you know, a lot of their core outside of BAM are just, are, you know, they're aging vets with a lot of miles on their legs. So, I really like how they're going to set up for playoffs. I don't think they're going to take the regular season too seriously in the sense that they're going to get, you know, rest guys when they can. And uh, that'll open up some value. Like on the nights, like Jimmy's out, like heroes look really, really good in the preseason. He had a rough year last year, but he's looked really good. Um, you know, they have Duncan Robinson. They have this Max Struess kid who's like Duncan Robinson light, who's um, playing really well also. So I think there's going to be nights where you can get some cheap guys like that. I really like the Heat when, when come playoff time, though, because their defense, man, they're going to be really good. Like, if you put a lineup out there of Lauer, Bam, Tucker, and then, you know, maybe one of maybe one of Hero or, or Robinson, like, I think and, – and Oladipo might come back, you know, in the in the winter or the spring. Like, that, they're going to have a really good defense. That are, they're going to be a tough out whoever they play uh, come playoff time. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, as far as like the heat go, I'm definitely interested to see what kind of happens uh, for Chicago. Um, obviously, the Lakers got even tougher to kind of figure out. Um, <laughs> I mean, Westbrook gets his pretty much anywhere he goes. Um, so I think that whole situation is interesting. Um, I think the Warriors are a team that, I mean, they they're Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, we're going to have a Clay Thompson back here. Um, Moses Moody, with that offense, um, could be super interesting. They added Porter through free agency. I think that was quietly good. Um, they, added, they added Avery Bradley, who is a very good defensive player, um, which is something that they could, could you know, potentially use. So, I think that's um, 
you know, one that's kind of interesting. I kind of want to see how this all works out with the Cleveland Cavs too. Um, market in there, Ricky Rubio there. Um, I mean, Rubio is getting towards the end of his career, but I mean, that whole like Nance situation is like gone now. So I'm really interested to see like how the Cavs work out. I think they had a really good off season um, when we're just looking at like basketball moves, but I think, Honestly, I think Brooklyn had a really good offseason. Um, obviously, we have to be waiting to see what happens with Kyrie. But, I mean, they went out and they got LaMarcus Aldridge, who adds another veteran um, player. Paul Millsap, who adds another veteran player. Um, but, I mean, DFS-wise, I don't know if they'll be playing that fast. So, it would be interesting um, to see. I went way over three. Um, yeah, I mean, DFS-wise, teams that, like, are going to be tough to kind of figure out um, the Spurs, I think are going to be awful this year. Um, I mean, there might be opportunities there, but I think they are just in full rebuild mode. So, I mean, we'll, we'll potentially get to see some of these young guys play minutes um, who knows, but, and I don't, I don't know if I really love like some of the pickups uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves either. I think, they didn't have like a great, um, great off season. So um, Pelicans, I mean, ball had gone and then they got Devonte Graham, which Devonte Graham could kind of, um, you know, excel in that offense. So that'd be an interesting, but uh, is there any like team that stands out to you? You're like, Oh, that that wasn't a good off season. And um, they're playing rebuild mode. You just hit like so many polarizing teams. Like there's, you know, I, I try to get as much NBA content in as I can, like on a daily basis. And especially like the Warriors, um, you mentioned a lot of vets they got. And they also had two like top 12 picks or something. Like you yeah. mentioned Moody, I also got Kaminga. Like there's a chance that these young guys don't even really play that much um, because Porter's played well in the preseason. Vilitz has played pretty well. You mentioned Avery Bradley, but they got this Jordan Poole kid, man. I don't know if you've seen him play. But he's like they basically say he's he's gonna start like while Thompson's out and when Curry's off the floor, this dude just gets straight up buckets, man. He is really really good. And when Clay comes back, and then, you know they have Wiggins there too, they have like a really really good wing slash guard rotation there. So like the Bradleys of the of the world may not even need to play that much just because. And like Iggy, they have Iggy there too. Like these, I don't even know. Like if they get a good season out of maybe one of those vets or two of those vets, they're gonna probably be really happy. But like with what they have in Jordan Poole. They got to be thrilled uh, to answer your question about like off seasons. Like I'm a little worried about Dallas in the sense that I don't think just by, just by this, in the sense that I don't think the off season went how they wanted it to, they still have Lucas. So they're still going to be really good. And they've looked, you know, decent in the preseason. I'm taking that with a grain of salt, but while I maybe wouldn't is because Porzingis has actually looked pretty good. Kids made it a, a priority to kind of get him going on offense they got a block from the Knicks to add a little more shooting, but I don't think the offseason went how they wanted it to, but Luke is just so good. It may not even matter. Uh, and then just the last one that, that you were touching on the Pelicans. I'm really torn on them, man. Like they're already like, they're already blowing smoke up. Everyone's, you know what, with this Zion stuff, like they hit uh, Zion and their general manager, David Griffin came out and said like when they finally revealed that Zion was hurt that, Oh yeah, Zion's going to be ready for opening night. Don't worry about it. And then today, uh, they, they basically said that he's going to be – they're revisiting it in another two, and a, two, two and a half weeks. So who knows when he, he's even 
going to play. Graham adds more shooting, but the defense is, is suspect. They did get some good vets with like Sadoransky, Garrett Temple. So I'm torn, I'm torn, man. They changed coaches. We have a first year head coach. So like, I really have no idea. They got Joe Val, uh, you know, they sent Steven Adams to Memphis. They got Joe Val. So that, that team can just go any number of ways, man. Like their range of outcomes on, on like, if you're looking at betting, you know, over under win totals or something, I could give you a, a realistic scenarios where they're like 10 or 15 over it or 10 or 15 under, man, it could go anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's so much question marks when it comes to, you know, Zion in general. And I mean, I think Valanciunas, if they give him minutes, he could really excel. Um, but I mean, his biggest thing has always been the minutes. Like, mm-hmm. um, so we'll have to kind of see how that plays off. It's going to be a new look like New York Knicks too. We didn't really talk about them, but um, Kimba there, Evan Fournier, I think was a good pickup for them in the off season. Nick Lakina, Bullock, Peyton gone. And like Kimba, as like a solidified point guard in that system. Um, I think the Knicks are a team that are interesting as far as like future bets go. And I mean, I, I, people would wonder if I was okay, if I didn't talk about the magic, but I'm not too optimistic. (laughs) Um, I I think Jalen Suggs um, talent wise is going to be really, really good. It's just, I think the magic are kind of in um, rebuild mode. So um, see how that kind of plays out. Oh, the last thing I want to like bring up really quick before we talk uh, like futures and stuff. Do you think Damian Lillard ends the season in a Trailblazers uniform? That's a good question. Um, I do. All right. Because I think they'll be, you know, I don't think they're going to be like top three in the West or anything. I think they're going to be good enough to, you know, maybe get out of the, maybe not be in that play and mix, you know, the seven, eight, nine, ten seed. I think they'll they'll be right on that that fringe of, you know, being in the the, the five or six or maybe being in the play. And so I think they're going to be good enough to like make him not just rush his way out. And I the main reason I say this though is because I just don't think he wants to just get out midseason. I just don't think that's kind of in his character. I, I guess is the best way to put it. Like the fact that it just took him now what is he like ten years in the league? He just now like sets like went public basically leaking stuff out about how he's a little unhappy. Uh, maybe he wants to go somewhere else. He's just now doing that. He's like very like, I guess part of his brand technically is just like not, not going to a super team, staying loyal, all that stuff. So it's going to have to take a really, really, really bad season. It has to really go South for him to, to ask out. And I just don't think that it's something that would happen mid season unless it just goes really, really bad. So maybe, it, maybe next off season, but I would guess not. And, and I say that by, I want to preface that by saying I want him to I want him to go somewhere else. I want to see him on the Sixers. I want to see him on the Knicks. I want him not there anymore because I want to see him with a better better team. I want to see what he does like running pick and roll than beat or something, man. I don't want him there just for like pure basketball reasons, but I I, I don't I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I just thought it was interesting because all that like stuff came out and it was like, hey. We need to make some moves and the moves that they made, it was like, huh, what are you doing? They brought yeah, in yeah, Ben McElmore. Like, Oh yeah. The other, they got Zeller. Like their bench is rough, man. One, one injury to their starters or Nance. Like they basically have six starters in my eyes. One injury to those guys, man, that's going to, it's going to be bad because their bench is rough. They did bring, they brought in Marquise Chris too, didn't they? Through free agency. I'm pretty sure. Like, 
he's very hit or miss. It depends, like, if he yeah. wants to play or not, it seems like. Uh, I think they have DSJ, too. So, I mean, maybe a little bit of value there. They got a lot of projects, man. They got a lot yeah. of projects. <laughs> where I, – I didn't – I don't even know, but where did Whiteside end up? Anywhere, he's like – uh, Yeah, useful? he's in Utah now. He, yeah, he's a, he's a Go Bears backup now. So, still not getting minutes, but, I mean, all right. All right, before we get out of here, um, let's talk some futures. Uh, anything that's like instantly standing out to you, um, just in general? Well, there was a couple like several weeks ago that I put on you know our scores and odds website that I and they've moved since. I'll mention a couple of them, and then I'll mention the one that hasn't moved, which I still just don't get. And we've already talked about them, but one was like Utah. Utah's was like fifty-one and a half, like I don't know, three weeks ago, and. I mean, this team has everybody back, basically. You know, they've lost favors, um, which big, big deal. He, he didn't really move the needle for them at all anyways. They won 72% of their games last year. They have a ton of organizational continuity. They got the same coach, same players, really good offense, really good defense, an actual tangible home court advantage with their altitude. I don't, I don't know why they're uh, – I don't know why they're, they're over-under so low. So, I like that one. I think it's moved up to, like, I don't know, 53 and a half. Um, so that was one. I like I like the under on the Rockets. I think they're just going to be tanking big time this year just to get one more uh, bite of the apple with a high draft pick next year. I think last I looked at it, it was like 27 and a half. I haven't um, – that's when I wrote it on scores and odds. I don't think it's budged too much. But the one, man, I just don't get it. And you're going to have to talk – you're going to have to talk me off of it, but it sounds like based on what you said a little bit ago, you might like it. How are the Knicks 41 and a half, man? They like that's that's basically calling them a 500 team. Last year they won, I think, like 56 percent of their games, 57 percent of the games. They like you said, Alfred Payton out, the lock out in Kendall Walker, Evan Fournier. They're deep. At, they're like they're deep at every position. Like they have quickly and Rose off the bench, Alec Burks off the bench in the backcourt. They have uh, in the front court. They have Taj. They have like Nerlens Noel. They have Obi Toppin. They have a coach who cares more about regular season than any coach in the league. Like, I don't know if you saw Kemba's press conference, his introductory uh, press conference. They asked him if he's going to play back-to-back uh, this season. And you pointed to Tibbs and said, you're going to have to ask him. Tibbs like, he's playing. <laughs> so, like, like they're just I, – they're, I just don't see – even if they, like, have a rough season to start out, I don't think they're, like, ever going to think about tanking or anything. I just don't understand. I mean, I guess it's a conference thing. How are they not going, like, 42 – at least 42 and 40? Talk me off the ledge here. I have no, I'm not talking off the ledge. I think, I think the only thing that you're semi worried about is Kimba staying healthy. And if he does, I mean, it's not like the East is super strong. Yeah. You got the nets. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you got the bucks, but it, I mean, it's not like the East is really strong. I, I like that one. Um, and what if, and if Kimba does go out, like go out for a little bit, I just mentioned three point guards that yep. they can put in there too. Like Fournier can handle the ball. Randall can, you know, initiate offense. Like, I don't know, man. I just I just would be shocked if they're below 500 team this year. Um, One of the ones that I think you're getting a little bit of value, uh, I've seen it like plus 110 in some places, uh, Spurs under 29 and a half wins. I think I really – I know it's Popovich, but I think this is one that – I think the Spurs are going to be terrible this year. Um. I don't know about you, Andy, but like I was looking, I was, I was doing some research before we got started and like 
this team looks bad. Like DeRozan's gone, Gay is gone, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge is gone. I mean, they're bringing in like Thaddeus Young, Doug McDermott, Alfred Aminu. Like I, oof. I mean, they got some young guys there, but I don't know if the young guys are enough to jolt them to to thirty wins here. Um, I think the the Spurs are going to have a really rough year. I think they're going to struggle to score for sure. Like you look at where they're getting buckets from, it's probably coming in from the backcourt. I, it's, it's probably not as easy of an under as you think it is just because they're going to be, I think for a few reasons, one, they're going to be really good defensively. I think they're, you know, the the young guys they have are all good defenders. Basically Um, if they play fat more than McDermott, then maybe they'll um, stay, you know, a little more defensive oriented on, in that regard too, but McDermott, they need him for some buckets, I guess, too. So another thing is pop and the organization in general, they just don't ever seem to care about, you know, going for a high draft pick. So I think even if the season gets away from them, I think they still, unless we see otherwise, I I think they are always just going to play it out. And they're just, they're just always so well coached that I, I think it would, they could maybe grind their way to getting over 30 wins, but I'm, I'm kind of with you, man. It's not as easy as you think, though. Yeah, I know. I, I get it. Like, you're you're relying on, like, DeJounte Murray a lot in this offense, and this guy, he can't stay healthy for a whole season. Um, if he goes out, man, you're yeah. relying on, like, Derek White and Lonnie Walker to kind of get the job done. And Johnson, yeah. I think Johnson does have a ton of talent, and like you said, defensively, but it's it's 2021. Defense doesn't matter. Um <laughs> uh listen i just thought it was like some nice value getting a little bit of money a little bump um i didn't see any other ones um that were like super crazy i didn't think they're like if you want to you know kind of give a lot i think the bulls to make the playoffs is 185 minus 185 I, I I wouldn't say safe, but I think that is it's pretty strong. Um, I know you're giving up a lot at minus 185, but I think they have a really good chance to make the playoffs. Um, so that was the only other one that I was like, you see some of these teams like minus 500, and they're like, oh, the Bulls had a really good off season. Um, so I didn't mind that one. How are they, how are these books handling these play, the, the to make the playoffs thing? Like play in tournament does not count as playoffs, right? You have to actually be a one through eight seed for it to count as making the playoffs. Is that I'm correct? pretty sure it's one through eight. Um, I'm pretty sure. So I mean, yeah, I have not looked at that yet. I've not. I would be shocked if the Bulls aren't like a, a top eight seed in the East this year, but who knows? Um, it's NBA; anything can happen. So. Um, is there anything else that, you know, you were kind of looking at, like, I like if I'm going to take some long shots, um, as far as like hot takes, I don't even know if this is a hot takes. I don't mind the warriors to win the championship at 11 to one. And I don't mind the Miami heat to win the championship at 25 to one. I know that one's a little bit more of a hot take, but, um, I think both of those teams, I think Miami, we talked about them having a really good off season. I think the Warriors are coming in um, to the year is like everybody's kind of looking at the Nets and Lakers and Bucks, and it's like Steph Curry's really good. Like he yeah. he is really good, and I mean all they got to do is make the playoffs with Steph Curry, and if Clay Thompson gets healthy and he's ready to go, like I don't know. I think Warriors at eleven to one, and like I said, a little bit of a hot take, but I like Miami at twenty five to one to win the championship. Those would be. 
when Florida ever gets sports betting, um, those would be ones that I'd be looking at here. You should parlay that uh, Warriors one with a little Steph Curry MVP at like plus 800. Yeah, I mean, like go hand in that's, hand. That's an automatic. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> I love I love the Heat one, man. We already talked about it, but I'm I kind of equated them to the uh, the Bucks from last year because they made it an addition that I thought was more playoff motivated. They got Drew Holiday, and everyone's like, oh, they hurt their depth. They're not going to be as good of a team. But I really think teams are looking and seeing that playoff NBA basketball is different than regular season NBA basketball. I think that's kind of what the Heat have in mind. I could see they have a very similar season as the Bucks did last year. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. What's that? The Heat going in, it's going to be what? Probably Lowry, Oladipo, Butler. Oladipo, I think he's a while away, man. They're saying like probably uh, the start of the calendar year. No, no, I'm talking more like playoffs. Like if they have the, the healthy starting five, because I think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, it's, oh, again, yeah. the Eastern that, that deep. So their starting lineup for the playoffs would be what? Um, Lowry I still think Ol- they would, depending on what depending on what version of Oladipo you get, it's for sure Lowry, Butler, Bam, probably Tucker at the four. And then the two is probably going to be a mix of Hero, Robinson, or Oladipo. I, I would I would think they're going to start Duncan Robinson just because they need his gravity out there shooting because they don't have a good shooting out there without him, at least long-range shooters like Bam going to mid-ranger. Butler doesn't want to shoot threes. Lowry can hit an open three, but I think they need Robinson out there, those guys. So probably bringing Hero and Oladipo off the bench, and like I think that's their main seven, and then kind of you know figuring out the other eighth or ninth piece from there. Yeah, that had kind of happened throughout the season or the trade deadline. You never know. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it seems like they're very – committed this season anyway so um anything can happen at the trade deadline when you have a committed team so uh andy it's always fun man um it's always fun um i don't really have anything else i mean i'm excited like i said i'm excited for nba to get started here um yeah i mean that's it you got anything else i always enjoy talking to you stevie man if you need uh if you need me to hop on some more this year just just give me a shout i'll make some time for you you know, just because you offered, um, we're going to have to make it happen at least a couple times. Andy's busy. Um, crunch time. I don't even know how many days you're doing it this year, but you always five, seem to be five doing Five a week, every, Monday through Friday. Maybe. So, I mean, this is the guy. Like, him and Roth are going to be on there. I'm sure to be Roth. But, um, you know, crunch time is one of the most valuable things when it comes to NBA um, premium here. I mean, the projections have been fantastic over the last few years. Um, but yeah, make sure you're paying attention to crunch time. My magic are probably going to stink this year. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not too excited as far as like, as a fan perspective, I am excited to see like what Jalen Suggs does. I'm really interested to see what Fultz does when he gets back from injury and like, how can he continue the momentum that he was kind of building last year? I think he kind of found a home in Orlando, um, after all that Philly stuff. So I'll be excited, um, I think, in like two years for the Magic. I'm not excited this year, though, so we'll see what happens. It was going to be my under under lock of the year, but I couldn't come on and, on and say that to you, Stevie. So, you know, the Magic, I can I – I'm just playing. Man. I, I want them to finish last. <laughs> Does that make – like, as a fan for, – Forward-thinking fan right there. Yeah, I mean, as a fan, I'm like, don't go out and finish, like, eighth in the East. Like, just, just say, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna make it. We're gonna we're gonna go for it next year, and I'm okay with that. Like I, I am I'm okay with that. I know some people are like I know Dean has said it before, but like I'm okay. Like 
if they lose under 20 games and they get, you know, a lottery pick up towards the top. And I mean, there's always really good college basketball players that, you know, can make or break your team. So I don't know. I I hate the fact that they moved Vooch. I think they should have tried to sign him and made him like a franchise type player. Cause I really do think Vooch is a really good basketball player, but I mean, I get it. I get it. But anyway, so lock of the year under i like it andy all right i hear you um that's like 22 and a half or something i remember looking at it earlier so yeah them in like i think them in like detroit um are like fighting for last place (laughs) the thunder Thunder, baby they're 22 and a half they are like two nba players jeez all right we're gonna get out of here we'll be back monday talking some monday night football maybe some baseball i don't know what what's going on with baseball playoffs for monday but I'm always down to talk Red Sox. You guys know that. So that'd do it. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys again on Monday.